Ashley Rodriguez is a powerful intuitive and a dedicated student and practitioner in bodywork, energy work, shamanism, and the magic of the womb. Today in the show, we have an intimate conversation where we talk about her initiation onto this path, the whispers of the womb, the history and wisdom of Mary Magdalene. This one I am so excited for you all to hear and so much more. Ashley is a truly magical woman and listening to her story and her knowledge just had had to be picking up my jaw off the floor so many times. So I know you're going to love this episode. Highlights from this episode. Ashley's initiations into owning her psychic gifts and releasing old religious-based fears. Her experience as a clairsentient and how she clears out her energy. The story of her first period, one of the most magical stories I have heard yet. The ways a woman can clear her womb. The whispers of menstrual blood, mythology around it, and what your own menstrual blood may be trying to tell you and the wisdom and history of Mary Magdalene. I do want to be aware and sensitive of your emotions. I know sometimes this can throw me off when I hear it on a show, but just to let you all know, towards the end of the show, I when I ask Ashley about her darkness, we get into a brief but powerful, definitely powerful conversation about healing from sexual trauma and how we've both been just throughout our lives just navigated through those types of things this is also your reminder that this podcast is for the sole purpose of entertainment there is no attempt in diagnosing or you know demanding or suggesting as to how a human a woman should be living their life Ashley is a podcaster herself. She has an amazing podcast called Alma Talks on Spotify, and you can find all of her information in the show notes. I am just so excited for you all to hear this conversation. I learned so much, especially as a girl who grew up Catholic, and you know, I just felt very alone. So it's really cool to hear someone else's story of their own awakening and how they navigated through it. You know, even hearing someone's period story, it's just feels like such a cozy campfire talk. All right, I'm done talking now. I'm going to let you get into it. You are listening to the School of Whispers podcast. I'm your host. Stephanie, and this is my space to get real, open, and weird about my life experiences as a psychic, medium, energy healer, and student of Chinese medicine. On the show, I'll be sharing my healing journey and the concepts I've learned along the way, and I'll be having guests on talking about the same sort of thing. I am so happy you're here, and I hope this show leaves you feeling inspired and empowered to learn how to listen to the whispers of your own body and spirit. Let's get into the show. Ashley, welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so grateful that you're patient for this part two introduction. <laughs> um, yes. But yes, as before I interrupted you, you were giving your introduction on who you are, what your titles are, and 
you know, I want to throw in what what you stand for before we really get into the topic here. I love that. I love the what you stand for because sometimes we get so lost in like how what title do I want to put on myself or whatever. But I love just like what do I stand for? Because I feel like that shows more of like my purpose behind my drive, behind the things that I want to learn, the things that I want to do. Anyways, I'm about, I'm already getting into it, but I feel like how is like how I was saying before, I'm a little bit of a jack of all trades in true Gemini nature, right? In true uh manifesting generator nature whatever whatever you resonate with but so I my name is Asher Rodriguez I am an intuitive first and foremost I am Latina light worker I do womb clearance and activations I am a Reiki master I'm a licensed massage therapist I am a certified sound therapist I am a New York medicine woman um, graduate I'm a womb practitioner and as far as what I stand for, I just stand for women being in their authenticity and being able to express themselves truly and show their true rage and their true beauty in all aspects. Wow. That's beautiful. Wow. The, the true rage and the true beauty being in the same spoken sentence container there. You don't really hear that a lot, mm-hmm. but it's so related what 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 guided you to want to be of service to the feminine specifically the feminine specifically (laughs) so the first thing that comes to mind is the fact that that I am an oldest sister of three and I have two younger sisters plus my mother and my father and I feel like long story short the reason why I want to stand for the feminine specifically is because I feel like women are not allowed to be very assertive or very aggressive in quotation marks um, or very leaderish, right? Or if I can't make remarks, I can't give sass, I can give my opinion. And this isn't everybody's experience, but for me, it was. And I am definitely my father's daughter. And I am just a female version of him. I'm just as assertive. I am just as angry with it. I am just as sassy and I'm just as influential as he's ever been. So I just wanted to have an equal playing field. And I think that's really the root of all of this. Gotcha. I see. And so and I really want to put a bookmark there for the feminine because there's so much to it. But I want to take it back a little bit further before we started recording. We talked about being a psychic, being an intuitive, being a medium and all the the labels and all the things that are attached with that. And I was sharing with you that it was about it was in t- January 2021 where I really started to get the call to tune in, not just for myself, but others and the word and people would say, oh, can you give me a psychic reading? And I'm like, I don't know what that is. I've never gotten that before. Um, and and they would, pe- my friends would just tell me, okay, well, this is what psychics do. Do you think you can do that? And I said, I'll give it a shot. But it really took a long time to be comfortable with that word, psychic, intuitive, medium. For what I mean, intuitive feels a little bit more natural, but for whatever reason, well, I know why, because it's a, I don't know about you, but like in Hollywood or just my perspective, it feels a little bit icky. And mm-hmm. 
for a lot of reasons, but I would love to know about your psychic awakening, what that, at what age, what that was like for you, what went on through your head, and also just that portal you stepped into taking on that title there. Yes, yes. So this goes all the way back to when I was like a child. Um, I used to be able to see spirits, but I was never able to see like good ones. There was a lot of chaos in my household when I was younger. So I would see like scary stuff. So then I ended up shutting it off when I was like around six or seven. But even though I couldn't see and I couldn't really hear anything either, I felt other people's emotions ever since I was like, ever since I could remember. Um, I even, one of my earliest memories is when I was like three years old. Legit, no, I'm lying. One. I was legit one because I remember us going to my grandparents' house in transition from living in one side of Puerto Rico to a different side of the island. And during that in-between stage, we stayed at my grandma's house. And I know that we were at the new house by my second birthday. Core memories. And the reason why I remember this is because I remember on my second birthday having like a little mermaid cake, but being sad that no one came to my birthday party. A little, I remember being like, mom, why is no one here? It's my birthday. I have a little mermaid cake and that's cool and all, but like, why is no one here? So anyways, me being like one years old before that at my grandma's house, I could feel my mom very, very strongly. And now I also know that the connection between like mother and daughter, mother and child, mother, son, whatever, actually stays in connection until you're around three years old. So that's probably another reason why I felt her so strongly. But I I could feel whenever my parents would argue. (laughs) And I knew when my mom was in distress, especially emotional distress, and I would go to her. And I remember at one years old, I knew when my mom and my dad stopped arguing, my dad left my, my grandparents house. And my mom was alone in the room sobbing and crying. And I went up to her and I just consoled her. I was like, I don't want you to cry anymore. And I soaked it in. Because my strongest sense is actually the feeling one clairsentient and I've learned throughout time that I use that to be able to gauge my surroundings I use that to be able to know who I need to help who I need to um, take their emotions from so I can process it instead um, which has led me to be very emotionally mature (laughs) very very young because I would end up just taking and absorbing other people's emotions so I could process it for them and they don't have to deal with it anymore um so anyways, that was the beginning. And then eventually what led me to go through an awakening was fear and me realizing that if I want to ever live a life that is worthwhile, I have to overcome being afraid to get hurt, being afraid to do something that is unknown because the things that I was doing are like the cookie cutter stuff but it wasn't filling my heart. And I'm like, well, I'm literally doing everything right. I'm going to college. I graduated. I got a job with benefits. I got this. I got that. I've done everything that I can up to this point. And it's not filling me up. So my legitimate spiritual awakening happened when I was 22, 23. Um, it was before COVID. And I started it because I was supporting a friend that had crystals she would sell crystal necklaces and bracelets and anklets and waist beads just to support herself through college and at this point were you in a corporate job yes okay Okay. 
At this point, I had gra- I had just graduated college and I was in a corporate job. My friend was still in college and I bought a couple of necklaces for her to support her business. I got a clear quartz and a rose quartz. I put the clear quartz and within a week, my energy shifted. Um, Because I'm clairsentient. So it's like, it's easy for me to just feel the energy. You're a crystal and- yourself. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Um, so then from there, it just opened up a can of worms. I had a coworker that peeped my necklaces and she's like, Oh my God, do you like do tarot readings? Or like, would you be interested? And I was like, No, my God, that's from the devil. Jesus. No. So then I ended up like, she ended up bringing a tarot deck and she like pulled cards. And I was like, This is actually kind of cool. She's like, I know this woman that's amazing at card readings. You should go check her out. So I did. It was the best thing in my life. Oh my God, it was the best day. Like I walked in so heavy and I left so like nice. And it's not at all like how it's portrayed on social media or movies is better said. Um, like how you mentioned a lot of the things that we know about psychics is what we see in movies, and that's not at all what psychics are. Um So that was, I think, my first step. And that just opened up a lot of other beautiful stuff, I guess. So as a clairsentient individual who's a healer, how do you transmute that right now? Because, you know, those things are they're coming through and you're a crystal yourself. But, you know, crystals need other crystals and they need the moon to be recharged. So what, what are your practices to help? with energetic hygiene. Yes. So one of my favorite things is flower essences. So this, for me, the moment I put it under my tongue, this is a flower essence for compassion. And it has like, it's made with honey. There's alcohol. There's also rose on here. There is hollyhock. Anyways, I buy different essences depending on what I feel like I need in the moment. And this one's just to soften my heart, whatever. Anyways, That's one thing that I use and I use it throughout the day and it already like automatically makes my heart feel better. Something else that I do is I carry uh, Florida water um, or white sage or Palo Santo with me in a spray bottle everywhere that I go, literally everywhere um, at my job as well as at my home. Something else that I do every single day because we shower every day is work with the water from the shower to help cleanse whatever needs to be cleansed. I also, while I'm showering, clear my womb with my hands, with the water to let it all wash off and with soap as well. I try to bless my soap as well to just make sure that it takes everything out. Outside of that, if I need more, I will go to my backyard. I'll sit out there in nature for however long I need. And I'll also just sit with my feet planted on the floor barefoot. I'll walk around barefoot in my backyard. Um, Yoga is also another thing that I utilize to regulate my my body um and that's just like things that are in my everyday thing that I don't even think about anymore and sometimes I'm just a loner I just want to hermit and just cuddle up in my bed and then (laughs) just wait until I like come back to center and then that's what I do yeah that's a beautiful tool belt that's awesome so many things and I don't know why my brain is like pausing. I think I'm on like day three of my period. So I think I'm just all the blood's left my head. <laughs> you too. Ooh, three, yeah. <laughs> yes. Blood sisters. <laughs> and okay. Yes. I want, I want to know what, what is a typical, typical day, typical day look like for somebody in your line of work? I th- yes. So I'm actually a teacher full time. Oh. So I am a high school teacher right now. I taught middle school before, which I love high school because these kids can self-regulate 
late versus middle school, but I want to talk about that, um, which is why I have Palo Santo and Sage in my classroom. Every single morning, without fail, I spray the crap out of my classroom. I'm like, I need to take out all the vibes. And in the afternoon, I also do that, especially if it's like a heavier day. I'll do it on myself before I go home. Um, or I do it in the cl- classroom as well. So from nine to five, I'm like a teacher. Um, but outside of that, I just love being of service, really. And I just love how it felt for me to be supported and be in women's groups and different workshops and events. So I used to do a lot of work. Like last year, I was really, really, really heavily involved in like going to the moon mercado and doing card readings, doing workshops, sound healings, Reiki circles, and things of that nature. But this past year, because I had a lot of changes, um, I decided to take a step back because I just got married. Um, I want to recalibrate myself with going back to working after the summer break. And I also feel like there's a shift happening within my business as a whole as well. And what I would like to offer instead of what I was offering before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's exciting. You're in, you're in this big transition. Okay. Let's transition. Speaking of transitions, let's transition to the womb. When did the womb, your womb start to call to you to become a part of your spiritual practice? Yes. Oh yes. 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 So actually when I was, when I got my first period, and like, sometimes I get a little emotional talking about it. When I got my first period, um, it was like one of the most magical experiences of my life. And the thing is, is my mom never talked to me about this, though. Like, I didn't know what a period was. Um, but the reason why it was magical for me was because when I got my first period, I was about nine years old so I was a little young and I remember it like if it was a couple years ago I was at a pool um at nighttime because we my parents went to visit one of their friends that lived in an apartment complex with a pool and I went with them because I was a child so they took me everywhere with them and we went to the pool for whatever reason no one was in the pool I don't know why we went to the pool we all just went to the pool they were probably being shown what the pool looked like and I remember I had stopped by the wall because I was like, I felt a little weird, but I was still near my parents. I was still near adults. And I stopped by the wall and I just looked at the sky and I went into like a trance. Like I left my body, but I didn't. I was in like a different universe. And then I saw a shooting star and then the star just stopped right in front of my face and it looked like the North Star. And then it came down. And at the time, I didn't know who it was, but now I know it was my great-grandmother, who at the time passed away. And by the way, she used to be like a quote-unquote white witch for my dad when she lived in Puerto Rico. And she would like do a lot of healings and cleanings and like help people transition from life to death. Anyway, so she's the one that ended up coming down in front of me. And she like blessed me. And then she went away. After that, I went to the bathroom and I had like brown blood coming out of my vagina. But because of the experience beforehand... I wasn't scared. So then I think I didn't have my period again for like another three or four months. And in that time period, I just so happened that in my school, they taught us um, what periods were, sanitary towels and all this stuff. And then the day after they taught us that, 
I actually got my period and maybe normal, not no transfer or anything, but I knew what it was. And I was just wasn't scared. The first time that I got it, the second time that I got it, I wasn't scared. Um, so that was my first experience with menstruation. And then eventually I had it very irregular. Um, so then I took birth control and it regulated it. And then I wanted to have sex without getting pregnant. So I took the depot so I wouldn't have to have condoms. And then I didn't have a period at all. And then I had a friend that was very, she's very about her body and her health. And she's like, it's not normal for you to not have a period, Ashley. And I was like, yeah, but this and this. she's like, I no, like, it's just not normal. And she just kept saying that over and over again. And eventually I got freaked out. And I did research and then I'm like, I'm not doing this. I got off of birth control and then my pair was regular without the birth control. Um, And then I entered into the new earth medicine program with the sacred woman school. And they had a section about womb wisdom. Um, Before that, I was called to the womb because I, I just kept seeing it everywhere and I kept wanting to learn about it. Eventually, I got into the womb wisdom course. It was like a big thing course. And that's where I learned a lot about the scientific side of menstruation, how there's really just two overarching um, phases. It's the follicular phase and the luteal phase. So I learned that. And then I learned about just the energetic side of it as well. Like if you have pink blood that comes out at the beginning of the period, how that means that you need to nourish your body. If it's very brown at the beginning, that means that you need to move your body in this stagnation. Um, if it's very, very, very painful, that means that maybe like your yoni is speaking to you, whether you're processing collective trauma or you're processing your own trauma. If it smells, that's something as well that comes mainly usually from your diet. Um, because way back when, before we would drink the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ was the menstrual blood of a woman. It didn't smell. It didn't taste weird. We would be able to do it. So it's like, it's supposed to be at that level of cleanness, of purity, of nutrition, because menstruation has a bunch of electrolytes that nourish the earth as well. So yes, that's my path to menstruation or womb wisdom, I guess. Whoa, that is just the furthest that I ever could have possibly imagined that anyone's first period could have been. It was, I've talked about this on the show before, but my first period was like humiliating and isolating and difficult. I was like 13 and it just, it just, it's, it's been a long time. It's been a long road, a really long road. And actually what you're saying about the pain, um, I, so I stopped birth control in 2020 at the very end. And once I became regular the summer of 2021, the pain set in and the most excruciating pain I've ever felt in my whole life, feeling like I'm either going to pass out or throw up and every month being traumatized. And then as I get closer, being afraid, where am I going to end up when my period comes? Because I can't drive like this. I, I'm I'm fetal position trying to figure out how, how to not, you know, lose my shit. And after a while, I realized oh my body's talking what is my body saying what what lifestyle changes do I have to make and blah 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 and at the end of the day it didn't matter what I did with my lifestyle it was ancestral and I ended up going to Peru to do a dieta around it and um and I remember at one point 
one night I had a lot of pressure in my womb space, but then it was kind of more in my bladder. And I was thinking, do I have a UTI? Like ayahuasca, do I have a UTI? And ayahuasca was like, yeah, you got a UTI, but it's, it's different. It's you're untangling tethered information. And by the third ceremony, I got my period right after it finished. And so I kind of just realized that I, I had to untangle that, that trauma that my, the women in my line. And since then, no pain, a little discomfort, but there's no pain to my period whatsoever. So that's just the energetics. I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. It's fascinating how much our womb stores because it's literally like a little black hole. And I love how now we know that the black hole absorbs everything in its surroundings, but also from the other side, it spouts out new stars. Mm. So it's like our womb works in the same way where whether we're conscious or not, as people that have a womb space, we absorb our surroundings and we absorb everything and whatever is not processed beforehand gets passed down to us. Um, And when we're in the womb space, we felt everything that our mother felt. And all of the traumas that she doesn't deal with and she cannot process, we end up carrying with us. And to take it a step further, we can say that as well as our from our grandmother, because technically, when our grandmother had or was pregnant with our mom, our mom was being developed as a woman with all of the eggs she was ever going to have. And we're one of our mom's eggs. So anyways, we can take it all the way back to our grandma. Um. So regardless of that, it's a space that absorbs a lot just from ourselves and from our ancestry and bleeding every single month is one of the ways that it can help release whatever needs to be left from our life. Um, So the more aligned we are, not necessarily aligned because sometimes like how I said, like the pain that we feel or whatever discomfort we feel is one, to serve a purpose, or two, it's a collective trauma, or three, is to get you back on track. Um, For example, for me, we talked about how it's my third day of my period. So the first two days, yesterday and the day before, I was like a zombie. Like I would come home and I would just be in fetal position staring at the wall. Like after work, I'm just like, I don't want to do anything. And I realized today that I needed that space so I could have like downloads today. So like a bunch of shit came in while I'm teaching, but still like a bunch of shit came in. They were taking quizzes today, so it didn't matter. Um, So anyways, everything serves its purpose and our womb space is very sacred. And just like how we absorb things from our surroundings and our ancestry, we also absorb the things from our partner. And we do have to clear that as well, because if we have a partner that we're intimate with, if they don't deal with their traumas, if they don't deal with whatever baggage they have, they end up giving it to us if we do interact in that way. And it's not that I don't want to help them. It's not that I don't want to be with them, but it's like, okay, so after me and my husband have sex, I'm just going to make sure that I cleanse my womb because whatever he's not dealing with, I don't want to deal with. Like, I don't want to carry that. That's yeah. That's it's like, duh, but also I never thought of it that way. What, what, what would a womb clearing like a post post relations what would that look like so i love the shower um the womb is literally almost all water so i just love doing it under the water and what i do is that it's very simple actually so one i center myself and then i look at the washer with the washer the shower and then the water from the 
I don't know if you're going to see this, but the water just goes straight to my stomach. I just got to make sure that it goes straight to my stomach and I let it wash. I take whatever hand I feel like, and I go looking at my stomach, I go towards the left. So this is the left for me when I'm looking at it down. So I just do left circles to clear. And then I just push down mm. and left circles. Just push left down. to loosen, like lefty loosey. Yes. And then whenever I'm, I feel like this is good, sometimes I literally push, like I feel like I'm pushing and I'm birthing it out. Um, sometimes it's that intense. Other times it's just, I just need to do circles and I'm good. Mm-hmm. After that, to like activate it, I just do it the right way. So righty tidy, righty, I'm putting in love, I'm putting it, um, beauty. Sometimes I sing to my womb after I've cleaned it. So that way I can just make sure that there's like beautiful sprinkles because again, it absorbs its surroundings. It needs something in there. So once we clear, it's going to need, it's a void, it's a vortex, it's going to need something else. So then I end up wanting to make sure that I sing to it. I visualize something beautiful in there. I activate it. Um, So yeah. This is all such rich information that I didn't know I needed. Did they ever discuss, and not like just while we're on the topic of sex, I'm curious if, did they ever discuss about, um, because I've heard somebody say, I I went to, went to Envision Festival back in 2019. That was probably my first awakening of energy and, oh God, it just blasted me open. But we went to the red tent and at the red tent, there was this woman there. Yeah, they had a red tent there. It was so cool. And this woman was talking about, she was like, just so you ladies know, because we were just talking about the cycle and how a man could support his woman through the cycle and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, just so you all know, sex or oral sex on your period is blood magic. So be aware of who you're doing it with. And that was kind of it. That was that. And I've always been so curious to learn more. It's always in the back of my head. So did, did they discuss any of that in your trainings? That specifically? No. Okay, Not but the blood. what you know about it? But what I do know is that um, having sex on your period is one of the most empowering things that you can do as a woman, especially on the first couple of days, because you can't get pregnant. The only time that you would get pregnant is like if you do it towards the end of your period and then you ovulate early, then yes, you can get pregnant. But like usually when a woman has sex during her period, it's for self-pleasure. It's to be elevated as a priestess and women would do that as a ritual just because they knew like, I don't have to worry about getting pregnant and having to become a mother. I'm doing this just for my own power. And I'm pretty sure that as well, it was a select type of man that would be allowed to do this with a woman. Um, And men had to be just as sacred as a woman would be to be able to partake in this activity. So that is what I know about it. Mm -hmm. Now, I do want to say like for me, for example, there was a time that I I would have sex during my period and I don't anymore because I don't think I was treating it the way that it needed to be treated. So therefore, I ended up getting pain when I would have sex on my period. So then I just stopped and I am reading about it. I'm reading about mythology because in mythology, ancient priestesses would do this. Like Inanna is one of the beautiful examples. Like she has done sex on her period. And there's like mythology around that as well. Stories around that. Um, but yeah, so I just want to put that out there. Like for me, I did have pain a couple of times. So I just kind of like stopped. Um, but yeah. 
in Chinese medicine, they call menstrual blood precious essence, which to me was so powerful and so cool to, to read that. And they say that sex in your period, just be careful because it can cause more bleeding than normal and drain your precious essence. And I think to them, you're supposed to, you know, uh, hold that essence and, you know, I, I don't, I wonder, I wonder the rituals around in Chinese medicine that aren't spoken around menstrual blood because they, they, you know, I mean, precious essence, I, there has to have been some sort of ritual with something that was referred to as that, but that's just, that's me there. Um, speaking of mythology and all of that, I've been feeling really called in this conversation to ask you, who are some guides that you, deities, whatever you want to call it, that you've worked with on this, on your path, this big awakened path? Yes. So definitely Mary Magdalene, even though she's not like a quote unquote deity, right? She's a very important figure for me. And also Isis is another one as well. That's been very a part of my life. And my theory is that honestly, Mary Magdalene, is also Isis, but that's <laughs> that's another thing, I guess. But I think those are the two main ones. Okay. And you mentioned earlier how in Catholicism, drinking the, the blood of Christ before it was the blood of the woman. Can you touch a little bit more if you have more information on that? Yes. So... I love how you talked about how the traditional Chinese medicine is a pure essence when they speak about menstrual blood, because like how I had mentioned, the blood has a bunch of nutrients within them, which is why you see people offering their menstrual blood to plants, to the earth. Um, and then there's this saying that the, mo the moment that women stop bleeding onto the earth is when war started because the earth needs blood to be able to nourish itself. Ooh. Um yeah but um i just know that the blood of christ christ is just you being in a pure love frequency and christ was not referred to just for jesus because before jesus was born there was still christ out there walking around being in the purity of christ and christ just meant that you have been anointed into this which is what mary magdalene did in the Bible, she anointed Jesus and then he became the Christ. But anyways, so to drink the blood of menstruation, it was done very, very, very carefully and specifically for ritual because it was pure. It was something that you would do to purify yourself, to cleanse yourself, to nourish yourself, to connect yourself to source because whatever we're leaving from our body is opening us up to that other side of the veil. And honestly, that's to the extent that I know of it as well. So that's incredible. There's, there's so much around the transition from paganism or indigenous religions to Catholicism, where women were at the center, and all of a sudden, they were like the I'm, I remember hearing once that the symbol for fertility, women's fertility was the goat. Now, all of a sudden, the goat is Satan. And it's mm -hmm. just all this demonizing of females being at the center of, 
I mean, a being who we're meant to be the the portal between the two worlds. And I, I remember hearing once somebody say that men have to work at their spirituality. Women are born spiritual. Like we're, we're born as, as, as the womb, as the portal. It's we're, we're all these things without having to try that hard. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, and transitioning there, fucking Catholicism. What's up with that? <laughs> No. So talking about symbols, actually, you know how um, in Catholicism, the little fish symbol Mm -hmm. is like Jesus. Yeah. Um, That is supposed to represent like feminine wisdom, feminine divinity, because there was a lineage of women that were like the mermaids. They were the sirens. They were the dolphins. Um, So that little symbol of the fish, not only is it like a little yoni, it's also a symbol of a lineage of mermaids from like priestesses. Um, And the same thing with the cross. I forgot. I read about the cross and how the cross was also a different symbol for the divine feminine that then Jesus took over. Not Jesus. Jesus didn't take it over. It wasn't his fault. It was the men that wanted to utilize Jesus as a way to shift the perspective to a patriarchal type of religion because Jesus was actually very, very in tune with his divine feminine side, um, which is why he was the uh, the counterpart to Mary Magdalene, which is why he was the son of Mother Mary. Like he was very open and he had female disciples throughout the whole Bible. They talk about how Marys were following him. They were his female disciples because he gave them the floor because he knew how important women were. But. I didn't know. I haven't, I really haven't done any dives and I, I feel like I'm in this transition where I'm even just trying to get comfortable with saying God. I, I grew up Catholic. I um went to Catholic school, grade school, kindergarten, high school. And around high school, I kind of had my, I mean, I wanted to be a saint. I wanted to be a nun. I just wanted, I, what I really wanted was to go to the highest peak and fuck off from the world and be with God and all of that stuff. And around high school, I, you know, the most religious people around me, well, actually, after my parents got divorced, that was when we first started to get rejected by our religious community. And then in high school, the most religious people around me were some of the 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 most cruel hearted, really. And I just was like, what's the point? What's the point of all of this? If I if I curse, if I lie, if I steal, is someone gonna really smite me? Like, and so I kind of stepped away from that, stepped towards religion, I mean, towards science. And then, you know, that became a whole religion in my head in itself. And long story short, I'm trying to take baby steps back towards what the the symbols around Catholicism, Jesus, like Jesus came in for a session with somebody the other day. And I was so uncomfortable even saying, can you ask Jesus what, what Jesus is saying to you? And I was like... I'm I am asking somebody what is Jesus saying and there's so much unraveling there so I would love first to know your your relationship with religion in your life your experience and then oh I really would love to dive into Mary Magdalene to to an extent that you're comfortable with here yes um so I wasn't very very religious when I lived in Puerto Rico um and I lived there until I was 11 Everybody, like I went to Catholic school when I was in Puerto Rico and everybody over there or most people over there are quote unquote Catholic. Like they just say they're Catholic. Um, We all know about Jesus, Mother Mary, everything like that. Like literally, I don't think anybody does not know in Puerto Rico does not know about 
Catholicism or Christianity. Um, but when we moved to Florida as a way to find community, my parents would go to church religiously on Sundays. (laughs) Then we will also go to church school on Wednesdays. Um, and then eventually I, when I was in college, I was actually very freaking involved. Like I did my communion. I would go to Bible study every Wednesday with adults. We would study the lecture. I would be the one that would read the passages on Sundays. I would also be someone that would give the blood of Christ during the communion section. Like I was heavily involved. And then eventually that's a good thing and a bad thing. I started dating my now husband and he has, he had the perspective of I am my own God Mm. and I believe in a higher power, but like I'm God, you know, and that definitely was something that I didn't agree with then, but I totally agree with now. I'm like, you were freaking right this whole time. Um, because we, there is a higher power, um, that we're connected to. And as we are humans now, like we're still God within us. We still are the ones that call the shots and the higher power is still connected to us and they can see everything that's happening in retrospect because we kind of have a little bit of amnesia. We forget our past lives. We forget our future lives. We forget why we're here, but we just come here and try to do our best and we can get guided. Anyways, so the reason why I left religion was really because of the first card reading that I had. I was pissed that I was told my whole life that card readings were from the devil when it made me feel so good that crystals were from the devil when it was amazing that reading the horoscope was from the devil because God doesn't want to give you those shortcuts you got to figure out life on your own without looking at astrology and in my head I'm like if God is our father and they're our guardian I know that if I were to have children which I don't but like that's a whole other story with my two little sisters. Like I would want to give them everything that I knew. I would want to give them all the resources that I had so they can make the best decision. So why wouldn't God do the same for me with astrology, with guidance, with whatever, like that doesn't make sense. Um, so I had a time where I did not feel comfortable saying God either. I did not want to talk to Jesus. I didn't want to go into a church. I would go to a church um, with my family because my grandparents would come and visit and they were extremely religious but they're a little bit more intuitive than they let on anyways um, so I would go to church with them just to please them but aside of that I wouldn't go and I would just sit down the whole time like I was kind of like a rebellious about it until one time I had a shamanic healing session from someone that I am obsessed with she's in like Maine I just I ran into her randomly through Google and she is one of the best healers ever. And in one of the sessions that I had with her, she's like, Jesus showed up as one of your guides. And he told me to let you know that you're not ready to work with him. And I was like, fuck, bro. Like, Jesus again? Like, what's up with this? <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, around that time, I also got a Mary Magdalene book called Magdalene Mysteries. It's like a a 500 page book. It's like a freaking textbook. And in that book, yes, it talks about Mary Magdalene a lot and about the lineages that she went through. And it also mentions Jeshua's story, Jesus's story, and how he kind of grew up. So that opened up a big door for me to see him in a different way. 
once I learned about how Jesus did come from a noble family that was very influential politically, which is why we know about him, because he was supposed to be the next the next governor. He was supposed to be someone that was in the Senate at the time, and they wanted to utilize him to be able to unite regular people in the spiritual community, but they wanted it to be done in a patriarchal way. So they had sent him off to India, to Egypt, to learn all these different things in these different mystery schools. But his mother, Mother Mary, was a priestess herself from the lineage of Hathor and Isis. So Jesus also grew up knowing about the divine feminine and how important it is. The Sophia, the Sophia wisdom, the grandmother, the divine mother of it all. So when he would go to all these different mystery schools, and some of them were very patriarchal. He was like, you have a lot of wisdom, but like, you're also not looking at it correctly. Um, so anyways, he came back. But when he came back, he became he. I also feel like he kind of, you know, did too much. Like he called himself king. You know, maybe he shouldn't have. But at the same time, like he was trying to prove a point that we are God and we are forgiven and that we just need to love each other. And I think the things that were promoted for Christianity were things that would help the Catholic or the Christian religion succeed as a business and as a way to control, you know, society instead of it being like actually as a way of salvation or as a way to be able to interact with the world now. Um, So I guess that's how I journeyed with Catholicism. You are just continuously blowing my mind. Just whenever I hear things that like shake me to my soul, I'll get tingles all down. I'm just getting tingles and like catching my breath and be like, what, what, what? Like, I didn't know any of this about Jesus. And I think this is a sign that it's time. It's time to, to, to learn what the truth is. Oh my God. So when, when you mentioned earlier that she's the counterpart to Jesus, so is it kind of like that Isis half, uh, not Isis. Well, what, who's Isis's man? Um, Osiris. Osiris, how they're just two sides of the same coin, but just the, the light and the dark, the masculine, and the feminine. Literally, there's a myth of Osiris dying and Isis reconstructing him and bringing him back to life and Osiris being resurrected the same way that Jesus was resurrected. So that is one of the reasons why I believe that Mary Magdalene is also Isis, because the same story between Isis and Osiris is very similar, maybe not copy paste, but very similar to what Mary Magdalene and Jesus kind of like went through. Um, I mean, she's the one that saw him resurrected out of the cave. That that I yes. remember. <laughs> That's about the that and she wiped his face. That's about like any every the extent of all of it. They did meet in the wedding of um, where he turned the water to wine. Mm. So there's this other book. So I talked about the mystery, the Magdalene mysteries. That book is amazing. If you're like, if you like to study and you like to read, that would be a good book for Mary Magdalene. Another book that I is really, really good is called the Sophia code um, by Kaya Ra. And then in that book, there's a section for different goddesses and one of them is Mary Magdalene. And the mm-hmm. reason why I got this book was to listen to her, but you have to listen to the whole thing. Anyways, 
um, there's a reason why she put the goddesses in the order that they're in. So the first time that you listen or you read through the Sophia Code, you're supposed to read through it in the order that it's given. And then after that, you can do whatever you want. But anyways, in the Sophia Code, she channels Mary Magdalene talking about the wedding where Jesus turned the water into wine from her perspective. So that's also very beautiful to see. And then also um, there's she channels how Mother Mary was a teacher of Mary Magdalene at one point as well, which is she's the reason that Mary Magdalene and Jesus met because she wanted Mary Magdalene to meet her son because she knew that they were going to be counterparts to each other. So Mary wasn't really a name. They're like, oh, Mary was a common name back then. Mary wasn't a name. Mary was a title. Mm. Mary was the title of the Marys, which were a lineage of priestesses under Isis. They were under sexual tantra. They were under the singing, the sirens, all this stuff, which is why there's 5,000 Marys in the Bible. And they're like, oh, it's just a name. No, it's, it's not a name. It's a freaking title. Why did they call the- her? Why do they call her the Virgin Mary? Is that just another patriarchal story? Okay. Yes. So... Mother Mary, I keep calling her Mother Mary because I'm like, she's not a fucking virgin. So she's not <laughs> a virgin, but um, she had sex. Um, anyways, so Mother Mary was a priestess and she was trained because her purpose was to give birth to the Messiah. Mm. Um, the reason, the way that she did that is she had sex with someone that was also sacred. He was a priest of a lineage of the leopard so then we have the leopard and a dragon combine in the sexual union to give birth to jesus so in this sacred ritual they knew that they were gonna meet for the purpose of creating a messiah but that they weren't going to get married or be together it was just to create them so it's like they got the best of the best in one lineage of the divine feminine the best of the best in the lineage of the divine masculine and they came together to bring jesus which is why He was such a beautiful pillar that could provide the strength and the foundation to give women the space to speak and share their wisdom, which they don't talk about that in the Bible, but he did. He he opened up the space for Mary Magdalene to also share her teachings and her healing with the community. But anyways, um, so yeah, Mother Mary had sex and they married her off with Joseph, who was someone that was rich um that was noble and they say he was a carpenter okay but like he was a political influence at the time as well which is why they married him to mary magdalene so that way the son that they could have could merge the political side the society and the spiritual side could merge everything together you mean married him to mother mary not mary magdalene yes yeah sorry thank that's you. okay just i was clarifying for listeners thank you thank you um so yeah so she got married to him And, you know, they say, or they put the story of like, oh, she was going to get hit with rocks and killed because she had sex with somebody else. And that is true. If a woman would have had sex at a wedlock, if a woman would have had sex with someone that's not their husband, they would have been stoned to death. That is true. The only time they would not have been stoned to death is if the woman was a part of a sacred ritual, not because the egg or the sperm of god came down and was given to her no it was because they knew that she had sex in a ritualistic way because even though it was still patriarchal the feminine hadn't fallen completely just yet there were still 
lineages of priestesses and they had to respect that. They just twisted it. They twisted it for propaganda purposes for them to regain the power. Um, so yeah. Wow, 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 wow. I am kind of speechless here. Earlier when you were talking about your your awakening from Catholicism and the anger in your voice, I like I, I want to say thank you for that because it's it's like an empowering anger and I feel like it also felt clarifying for me as well. There was just something in it and I'm kind of it's it's like a feeling of betrayal because our whole lives it's you know no blasphemy don't you dare claim to be anywhere near the caliber of jesus and god and all these priestly men and holy men and all this poppycock that's just set up to make us feel as far away as possible from who we really are especially as women Mm. yes yes there was one time that I heard one of my ancestors say like you know we are born with the seed so it's like we don't have to like how you said we're born with the seed planted within us to be able to be connected to the spiritual world like we don't need to work hard on this um and the role of the feminine is to be able to bring in that love, to be able to give birth to the love into our surroundings. But at the same time, the divine feminine can't do its thing without a divine masculine counterpart. It's just not possible. We need both. And it, it's you see a lot of the rhetoric out there, at least what I see on social media. It's like, oh, somebody always, there is a post about women or a post about men. Somebody always has to come in and te- tear the other sex down. Mm-hmm. And I'm so tired of that story as well. Ashley, thank you so much. But I have I do I two closing questions with everyone, but before we get into that, is there anything else that you feel called to share right now uh, along anything that we've touched on? Um Amongst anything that we touched on, I think that a lot of times we get caught up in spiritual practices because we may want to prove to everyone how spiritual we may or may not be. When in reality, the spiritual practice is just to help you be recalibrated and to help you just be in your true essence. So um, I guess for me, it's like a lot of the things that I know now and that I share with other people. It's because I was angry and I was upset and I was hurt. And I was like, what the fuck is this? You know, like I wanted to know it for me. And then now because I had those questions planted within my brain and I learned how to do all this stuff for myself to feel better and to be better. Now I can sit down and like share with other people. So, yeah, just do things for you. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I feel like I need a moment of moment of silence <laughs> for all of this. I just didn't. It's amazing where podcasts can go. I it's I never really have a plan because I have no idea what's in store for me. Like I know it's for everyone to listen, and I always want to keep the listener in mind and like how I called them in the beginning. But it's I know it's all really 
just mostly for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then bonus points if someone else gets something, but God, I'm all sorts of emotional right now. Okay. Um, so one of my closing questions is, and you can share this to whatever depth or non-depth, whatever that you feel comfortable with, but I always ask if you feel called to share about a darkness that you have either recently found yourself on the other side of, or are currently moving through that you feel called to, yeah, for, to be heard right now. Oof, that's a good one. So a darkness that I'm either on the other side of, or I'm currently moving through. Um, there's definitely one that I am moving through, which is why I have learned so much about the womb. And it's how to be able to ignite myself better sexually. Um, not only is it to balance my hormones, but also like, I just feel like my libido is pretty low and I've gotten, uh, healing sessions for it as well. Like past life regressions and stuff. And like, if you believe into that and that stuff, like I definitely do. I had markings. I still do actually I have markings on my hips. Um, and when I had a healing session, the healer let me know that the reason why I have markings on my hips is because that is where my chastity belt was in my past life. Um, so then I had to clear all that. And it's just kind of like, I'm still working through that. And a part of it is learning how to honor my womb and kind of clear my womb. Um, and not obviously, but sadly, I've also had sexual traumas in my past as well from when I was like six years old, again, when I was in college. So it's just kind of like also clearing that and like, how can I take away the shame um, and the guilt that I felt then? Because some of the things that I went through, um, which maybe this might help someone, maybe it doesn't, but it's definitely something that I've realized that I'm like, damn, um, a lot like in one of the instances when I was six years old, even though I knew that it was wrong, I still felt pleasure at the same time that I felt you know, hurt. So it's kind of like, it's that very paradoxical feeling that it's just kind of like, I have to sit with that and know how to process both sides. So it's like, that's something that is dark, (laughs) very dark, I guess, that I'm kind of still working through. And that's another reason that's brought me to all of this stuff regarding the womb. Mm, Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I've never shared any, um, anything about my past traumas and all that, um, regarding this on the podcast before but and I don't plan on getting into it but I remember a friend said to me once because it was really haunting me the past and along these lines and my friend said to me because she was repeatedly sexually abused by her father and she said Steph when you're a child nobody like when you're abused looking back nobody says like yeah that felt good like getting abused feels good but you're a child you have no context all you know is what the physiological feeling is And it's when she said that it set me free, like Mm. it set so much of that shame and that self-loathing it's, it, it just unlocked the door to that. So yeah. Uh, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Ash, for sharing that. And thank you for saying that because that also is something that I can sit with too and just kind of let it marinate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, I touched on it in a podcast um, in working with my inner child because 
it was from that conversation that I was, I tried to start working with my inner child and I realized that um, I don't remember any much of it at all, the abuse. And I don't, I don't know who, but not that it matters. Um, although it does fuck with my head a little bit, but um, I remember trying to work with little Steph and little Steph being like, I want nothing to do with you. And I'm like, what? That's not how inner child work goes. You're supposed to hug me back. We're supposed to make play and do things like supposed to tell me what you want to do. And I had to go deeper and deeper. And then I realized that I saw myself as the abuser because there was, you know, physiological pleasure. Right. So I because I had no face and I still don't have any face. I I used my own face. I blamed myself. So, I mean. Yeah, me, me and inner child were, were good now, but my God, the road to getting her to trust me was a long one. Yeah, I just, I just got chills. Well, that's very, very powerful. Mm. Mm. Okay, and this isn't going to be a graceful transition at all, but the final, final closing question <laughs> is, um, what because food therapy is a huge piece of who I am, and I think that yes, there's books on it and there's classes you can take, but I think the best way to learn about healing foods is through community and conversation. So I would love to know on your journey what have has been like a healing food or a meal that you feel called to share for the for the fam here. For me, it's bananas. <laughs> bananas. Yes. So I used to be obsessed with bananas when I was younger until I had my traumatic experience when I was six and then I stopped eating bananas. So then as I started like wanting to bring in more sweetness into my life, more of that um, joy, that pureness, that innocence and having a better relationship as well with my inner child, like I started eating more bananas because that's what that represented for me. So for me, it's definitely bananas. I love that. Is this, so I'm Cuban. So I don't know if this is like a Latin mom thing, but did your parents put bananas in like all of your food? We had bananas and rice, bananas and macaroni, bananas and like fucking spaghetti. And spaghetti? Oh, and all, like sometimes I crave bananas with red sauce and garlic bread. I know it's fucked up. <laughs> I'm honestly down to try that. Like, I would be so curious to see how that tastes together. But no, it was actually my my grandparents would be the ones to like give me bananas. But they would give me bananas and then bananas and ice cream and bananas and like pancakes. Mm-hmm. It just like tasted normal. a little sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. To, to the bananas. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Ashley, before we close off, where can people find you and learn more about you? Yes. So um, my spiritual uh, page is Vibes del Alma on Instagram. It is at Vibes, so V-I-B-E-S. And then Del Alma is spelled D-E-L-A-L-M-A. Um, so that's definitely where you can find the most about me. I like how I had mentioned with you before. I also have a podcast, but it's under construction. I am changing it to fit a vision that I am going to have with my sister. So that's pretty exciting. But anything and everything about me is pretty much on Vibes del Alma anyway. So that's, I guess, my main source in Instagram. And I highly recommend you guys check out her podcast. You have so many awesome topics and 
I mean, like just, I mean, this podcast here is a testament to the, the, the rabbit holes that you can get into while listening to Ashley speak. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, this was so beautiful. I am so, so grateful that we made this happen. Before we do the big sign off, is there anything else that you're feeling called to speak or do you feel everything has been sufficient here? Um, one more thing, emotions, because a lot of the things that have led me to where I'm at is because I either feel a good emotion or a bad one. So I say that you definitely sit with your emotions and try to figure out what they're trying to tell you, whether it's anger, sadness, rage, or even happiness. Um, let it guide you. That's it. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please make sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave your review. If you would like to work with Ashley, your reminder, all of her information, including her podcast, her YouTube, her Instagram, will be found in the show notes. If you would like to work with me, you can find my information in the show notes as well. Sending you my love.